This is the Bitcoin Made Simple Podcast. Here's your host, Corey Tusick. This is the Bitcoin Made Simple Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Tusick. My goal with this show is to make Bitcoin simple enough that even someone like me or you could understand it. I don't come from the finance world, so I have a lot to learn on this journey, and hopefully you can learn something from it as well. I'll be interviewing people all over the Bitcoin world, including podcasters, comedians, actors, athletes, investors, and anyone in between to learn about their perspective on Bitcoin and how they see it fitting into our futures. I hope you enjoy the show and thank you for listening. Today on the show, I have Shane Mullen. He's from BlockFi. If you don't know what BlockFi is, BlockFi is a platform where you can um, lend your Bitcoin, you can earn interest on your Bitcoin and, and a bunch of other things. And um, it's something that I'm interested in personally. Um, and I kind of want to see how this is going to play out here um, because I see it, it being of great value to Bitcoiners, especially those hodlers who've been holding for a long time. But even if you're new um, and you're looking for a way to um, have your capital earn some some additional income or maybe looking for ways to to leverage your Bitcoin position. Um, BlockFi is a great company, I think, uh, that has a lot of great things uh, lined up for what they're doing right now, but also in the future. So um, so I really enjoyed uh, my, my talk with Shane and, you know, he kind of help explains helps uh, to explain how the um, you know, how you can earn interest and, and helps give people confidence, I think, in, in everything. So without further ado, here's my interview with Shane Mullen. All right. I am here with Shane Mullen from BlockFi. Uh, hey, Shane, thanks for coming on. Yeah, Corey, thanks for having me, man. Um, so I got to ask you, so do you have a, a uh, standing desk? I have a standing desk. It's actually a, a standing desk platform that I put on top of my desk. Uh, okay. but yeah, I, I work in, uh, an office at home and, uh, gotta get, gotta get the legs moving, you know, get the blood flow going. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I'm working on that as well. I'm yeah, being cooped up at home. I have like right now we're in the process of, uh, building a new home and, mm-hmm. you know, so we're still in our starter home and, and, but we have all our bedrooms are taken up by kids. Like the office that I used at home is now a bedroom and and it's just like i was trying to work on the like couch in the basement <laughs> and squeezed out of everywhere you can work. oh yeah and it's just like it is not ideal at all and i have like a new situation like I'll have, i'm gonna build like a, an office built at our our new house but um yeah. but uh yeah i cannot work in the basement i was like sitting on the chase lounge and like falling asleep like while i was yeah, working i was like doesn't help productivity. No. And this is not healthy either to just like lay all day. You know, you got to stand and move and all that stuff. So I, I, my whole thing was like, I'd always be sitting right on calls and on zooms. And then I was like, well, why don't I like stop doing so many zoom videos? Cause I'm doing 10 or 15 a day. Right. Cause things are just Mm -hmm. crazy here. And I started to take calls and I would stand up and I'd walk around right. My apartment taking calls or around this room. And I was like, I have a lot of like really good energy and really clear head when I'm standing or walking or moving around. And then I was like, why don't I just have this standing desk so I can do that right while I'm on zooms as well. Um, So, so far so good. It's just like after like three or four hours of it, you're like, all right, I got to sit down. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to have to invest in one of those though. I think that's a good idea. Cause I do find like when the weather's nice and I'm walking around the backyard, it's like, 
my like that's like one of my favorite places to to work it's like man i'm just like ideas are flowing like i'm yeah, so much clearer e- it's easier to communicate like there's just you're, you're sharper a little bit more uh you know accurate with like your your thoughts and your ideas um so yeah, yeah. I, I highly recommend it. i'll send you the link of the one okay cool cool um well uh so to get into block uh to get into blockfi and Bitcoin, because this is not a de- this is not a standing desk podcast. Uh, unless people <laughs> really want that, uh, we could go that route. And um, uh, but yeah, uh, so uh, how long have you been into Bitcoin? Um, you know, how did you first get into it? Yeah, um, I've been in just general like cryptocurrency uh, since 2017 uh, as a passive investor, not directly in the industry. Um, I first like started reading about Bitcoin. It had to have been like, I remember reading a Bitcoin article on TechCrunch in like 2011. Mm-hmm. And it was talking about like e-money, like, you know, early kind of nineties. And then this evolution of this new, like cryptographic new technology form of money distributed. I didn't really understand it at the time. And I think at the time, the only way to like access, like the way to access it, you had to be relatively technically savvy. You couldn't like just go to an exchange and create a login and a password and move some money over and buy, buy the Bitcoin. And I mean, in 2011, you had to right, have a, a much deeper uh, knowledge of how to get access. Mm-hmm. So I was like, this is interesting. This is cool. Very, very unique. You know, fast forward like s- six years later was my first foray into actually buying um which, you know, made a couple allocations to Bitcoin and Ethereum, um, but never worked in the space uh, until I joined BlockFi, which was uh, about eight months ago. Okay. And uh, hopefully you didn't, uh, that would be impressive. Did you buy the top and then hodl and, <laughs> and wait? Or if you were in 2017, that's, a, that's an interesting time to get in. Yeah, it was like early, it was like earlier, it was probably like late 2016, early 2017. Um, I just, I just held, like, I didn't, I didn't do much. Look, again, I wasn't, I wasn't like a, and also at the time, I didn't have like a tremendous amount of like disposable cash just to like park into these like alternative assets. Mm -hmm. And so it was more for me, like, okay, I'm going to make a purchase. I'm going to read about it. Like I'm going to invest a little bit of money into this so that I actually like learn about what's going on, take a stance, listen to podcasts, have it be like a hobby that I'm interested in, which it has been and and continues to be. And now it's a a lot more consumes me a lot more from a, from a business perspective. But um, yeah, I just kind of like held on and then, you know, this year, last year, early last year, I guess like later last year, things really started to pick up. Um, yeah. And then over the last months, as you you know, as you know, it's just been absolutely crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's nuts. Um, yeah. I, um, I, I'm always curious. I haven't found somebody yet that bought at two, like December, 2017 and is still in the Bitcoin world. Cause I, I would just, you know, it'd be like the worst possible time to, to do your first investment. Um, yeah. I was, I was like, I almost like didn't even look at my account. It was like that. It was like that kind of approach. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to follow the space. I'm not looking at my account. I had a Coinbase account, like everybody, right. Who Mm -hmm. was like a relative call it crypto curious person at the time. Um, Just didn't really look at my account at all. Uh, And then, you know, 
made it through the weather, made it through an additional <laughs> weathering in, in, in last year, which was also very scary. Uh, and then, you know, you know, continued to, to purchase throughout uh, last year as well. Yeah. Um, so uh, one thing I've been asking people is how would you explain Bitcoin in its simplest terms, like to somebody that's brand new? Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I think the best way to describe it is uh, a new technology that allows for individuals and businesses to exchange uh, value uh, across time and space. Um, if you define exchanging value across time and space as money, then Bitcoin is digital money. Um, I don't typically get too much deeper than that if I'm talking to like my grandmother. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Uh, if I am talking to like, cause, cause there's an aspect of the money piece, right. Where, mm-hmm. you know, uh, accessible across time and space, you know, settles instantly, uh, you know, consensus decentralization from like, uh, you know, a validation perspective. Um, and it is a store of value in that capacity. And then I think there's also then relation to, well, if it's related, if we're relating to money or currency, right. And the, and the, the effects of how currencies are, you know, uh, are used globally. Well, there also needs to be like some conversation about Bitcoin as an asset, right? Mm -hmm. Because Bitcoin as an asset is more of an adoption. I think more of a a thesis that companies and investment firms and people are adopting now versus 2017 when Bitcoin was a currency. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and And what I mean by the difference there is that, you know, in 2000, call it 17 before, Right, the value of Bitcoin would be, you know, effectively, uh, you know, based on supply and demand. And supply and demand, a lot of retail people were assuming that Bitcoin would be used for buying things, right? So companies would need to buy Bitcoin to use to purchase things, right, overseas or whatever it may be. Therefore, increased demand would, you know, increase the price, and therefore the use case would be more people using Bitcoin and spending it, the more, the higher the price of Bitcoin, right? That's, that's kind of like one of the fundamental themes I think I saw mm-hmm. right back then. What I'm definitely starting to see now and where BlockFi really comes into the foray on this stuff is that, you know, if you look at Bitcoin's kind of currency structure, and then you look at Bitcoin's asset structure, the asset is very similar to the, the likes of gold, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or a finite, call it like precious metal or a finite, uh, asset that exists in our world today. So, you know, if you think about it as a place to store value in addition to a currency, right, with the same scarcity levels as something like a gold and with the kind of a huge surgence of institutional demand and in purchasing, viewing it as an asset as well, right? Like you're all of a sudden creating this like super powerful. Mm-hmm monetary right investment tool whatever however you want to define it so you know i i honestly think we've gotten to the point where like people view bitcoin differently depending on who you talk to right like Mm -hmm. like based on how you use it uh the fundamentals and the facts of the technology are are all the same none of that will ever change but it's like what is the what is the use case right on a go forward Mm -hmm. basis which i find pretty pretty unique um and you know we have our we have our own thoughts and ways of you know, creating value in, in that capacity as well. Yeah. And uh, that's what I wanted to kind of get into because, um, you know, BlockFi, I think is something that is, you guys are bringing in a lot of new things into this space. 
Um, and, uh, you know, for people that are maybe, you know, holding and, and I always recommend that people don't try and trade, you know, it's like, you know, hodl and just let the value increase, you know, it might, it might decrease at some points, but, um, but there might be ways to create, you know, positive cat free cash flows and, and other things. So, um, you know, what exactly does BlockFi do? I mean, you, you know, you can buy and, um, sell cryptocurrencies and, and everything, but, uh, there's some new products you guys are offering as well. Yeah. I mean, look, like BlockFi, we, we like to call ourselves a personal finance platform powered by crypto, mm -hmm. right? So we provide similar types of personal finance apps or, and products that you would use on an everyday basis. Yet all of ours are powered by either digital assets, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, PaxG, et cetera, or stable coins, right? USG, uh, USDC, Gemini, USD, uh, PAX, right? We've got a few mm -hmm. on Tether. We've got a few others coming on board. So in the traditional kind of personal finance world, when you have access to those tools, which I define as bank-like tools or, you know, uh, SoFi-like tools or things of that nature, um, you know, our, our flagship product that we offer is a interest account, right? It is a, it is a high yield interest bearing account, uh, that is, uh, effectively paid over the monthly, uh, in, on an annualized basis, uh, where we will pay up to 8.6% on either your digital asset or your stablecoin balance. Right. Okay. So, um, that's more or less like the kind of first entry point where it's okay. I bought crypto or I own crypto or I have USD uh, and I want to earn interest on it. I want to use a tool like I use other tools in the personal finance space for my crypto specifically, download BlockFi, open a BlockFi account, deposit your crypto, you immediately start earning interest. Right? So that's kind of like how we, how we you know, typically have our folks today enter into our ecosystem. Um, from there, we also offer other personal finance type products. Right. So we have mm -hmm. a brokerage like product, which is a trading function, no fee trading, buying and selling. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you want to buy other currencies that we support, Link, uh, Litecoin, right. The, there's a few others that will be coming out this year. You can do so in addition to Bitcoin, Ethereum, uh, Pax Gold and, and Stablecoin. Um, we offer crypto backed lending, another really okay. unique kind of personal finance tool that all different types of players provide in other spaces outside of crypto, typically unsecured, unless you're like securing your portfolio of equities, which like doesn't really exist in the retail space or you're, you know, securing your home and getting like a HELOC, right? Very mm -hmm. similar, similar construct. But for, for our product, it's, hey, you have Bitcoin or Ethereum, you have digital assets, pledge them as collateral and we'll issue you a USD denominated loan at 50% LTV. 35% LTV, depending on what rate you want to pay. Right. Okay. And then you just, you pay us a 9% or a 7% rate over a 12 year period. And you can use that cash, those proceeds for whatever purpose that particular USD denominated loan is for. Okay. And then it, in that scenario, let's just say, you know, I won a $50,000 loan, you know, so I give you guys a hundred thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin. Yep. Um, and then you know, I have, I owe you basically, you know, 9% interest on that 50, but my, I keep the value of the Bitcoin. So no matter where the Bitcoin price goes, 
So if it's, it goes up to exactly, exactly. You know, so your five x goes up, you know, ten x. You could probably you, you probably want to refi right and take mm-hmm. some of the Bitcoin out of your loan, right, and put it back into your interest account. Now, mm-hmm. if the converse happens, then we have a automated set of risk management measures that look at every single loan, both retail and institutional, in real time, right, based on price. And we will send automated emails to our customers when price starts to get to a point where the collateral uh, margin is too tight. Mm-hmm. Right. And then and in that like, scenario, do they have to post more collateral? Correct. There's kind of two things that can happen. One is they post more collateral and then they're fine. Two is we call, right? Margin call the loan and they keep the USD balance that we've lent them. And then we just sell the Bitcoin or the, the, digital asset at a price in the liquid 20, you know, 24 seven liquid market. And then we cover right. Our, any sort of uh, loss or interest with that particular sale uh, in the call capacity. So what's, what's really great about our, well, what's amazing about our product from like a, from an investor and like a, being a retail yield bearer, right. Mm-hmm. Meaning like you giving us assets to earn yield is that, that we've never lost a dollar right on our institutional and retail lending program because we have these super automated 24 seven liquid triggers that occur uh, on both sides of the house when you know you see these like 20, 30% price swings. Okay, so um, I guess explain that a little bit with, with the, uh, how they work in relation to each other, the, the interest earning side and the loaning side. So, um, you know, cause I think one of the things that a lot of people are going to start looking into is depositing to earn interest. Um, so if I'm earning, what, what, what's the rate you guys offered for yes, uh, on Bitcoin uh, is 6%. Okay. Uh, for, for one bit or for 2.5 and then it goes down to three after 2.5 um, for stable coin, it's 8.6% annualized. Okay. So if you put, you know, 10,000 bucks in, you're going to get $860 at the end of the year, right? Um, and now this is going to sound like a really amateur question, but that is kind of what I'm doing this podcast for. So for anybody that's afraid to ask stupid questions, um, explain a stable coin to me like I'm five years old, because that is the <laughs> one thing where I'm like, I get it, sort of, but like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, explain a stable coin to me like I'm five. I think the first question I would ask you as a five-year-old is uh, like, do, do you understand the concept of a blockchain, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're saying like, you're a really smart five-year-old, right? So mm-hmm. you say, yeah, I understand blockchain. I understand proof of work. I understand like validation. I understand the, the, the cryptographic piece of, of how blockchains work. So then all I would say to you is a from a stablecoin perspective, is that stablecoins are USD or dollars issued onto a blockchain, right? Okay. That's it. They're dollars that live on a blockchain. Today, they all live in a relatively like private siloed chain. So like Gemini's has their own private, you know, basket Mm -hmm. of USD fiat right? That's sitting in an account that's custodied where there's all these crypto dollars, right? Living on the blockchain that are, you know, one-to-one matches. Um, so I those values benefit, don't go up and down. Well, 
inflation, but like, yeah, no, that's, it's, it's one-to-one peg to a, you know, dollar in an account. Okay. Uh, like, you know, nine times out of 10, that's how, how it operates in our space. So like really the only risk that you have with stable coin is like, who's the issuer of the stable coin? Are they like solvent and liquid and, and have like a good, strong balance sheet and good investment and well, well-respected, et cetera. And, you know, uh, you know, are, are there like, let's call it stablecoin practices, you know, the highest regard. That's like, that's really all you need to worry about in, in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and today, like two of the biggest providers of stablecoins in the U.S. are, you know, Coinbase and, and Gemini, right? Two of, the, mm-hmm. two of the largest platforms out there, you know, BlockFi being the third. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> um, so, so if you like, if you can get com- comfortable with the concept that, you are literally just buying, right, a digital dollar. So you're just converting your dollars into the same value uh, in, in the stablecoin value. Then all of a sudden you can start to open your mind to some really unique things that stablecoins bring to the equation. One of the things that I think is most compelling about stablecoins is that they can settle, right, in mm-hmm. almost real time. Hmm. So what does that mean, right? That means that if I... Shane Mullen wanted to pull a $150 out of my bank account today, right? It would take either three days if I did it via ACH, right? Mm-hmm. Which is like plaid and the typical method that you see or direct deposit, mm-hmm. or it would take like maybe like four to five hours if I was going to receive it by wire, but I'd have to pay 25 bucks if I wanted yeah. to get it through the wire, which is just out of control. So I either have to wait three to five days or I have to pay 25% of my deposit amount just to get it in three or four hours, right? Yep. Conversely, we look at stable coins and today this doesn't really exist, right? Like fiat bank accounts to, to stable coin. But if I wanted to move money from my BlockFi wallet, right? To your BlockFi wallet or peer to peer or to another wallet that I had, right? Mm-hmm. I could literally send the button, click, click send, and that transaction is going to occur in less than 10 minutes, it's going to settle and you're going to pay zero fees for it. Okay. So just think about that in the scope of like general payments technology all over the world. Uh, when you start to talk about stablecoin adoption and bigger kind of like, you know, uh, bigger players starting to adopt stablecoins for cross-border payments and, international exchange and, and trade and all this stuff, it actually makes a really huge difference because speed and fees. Yeah. Right? Um, so in, in BlockFi, on BlockFi, you are actually able to purchase stablecoin, right? And it's just a balance. So if it's like $1,000 of stablecoin, it will literally just say $1,000 in your account. And then we pay... in stablecoin on that amount of money that you have in that particular wallet. Okay. Over in in that's annualized. Um, Yep. So that's kind of, okay. So then I'm I'm actually looking at from my own business perspective um, because we pay royalties out to a lot of people all over the world. Um, Yep. And that's something that I'm, there's a couple different products that we're working on. We're, we're uh, the one, one of my companies we're currently developing the, 
the back end and it should be launched in like a month or two. And it's a solution that I'm looking for is instant payments mm-hmm. to people. Mm-hmm. Is And that sounds like something you guys kind of offer. So how does that work for them to get their money? You know, let's say I have a, a filmmaker in, uh, you know, the UK and I'm in the US um, and I can instantly transfer in the BlockFi. Do they then have a BlockFi account and they just have to have that connected to their to their bank account in the UK? Yeah. yeah so for like for for truly disruptive kind of cross border banking and payment solutions, we're not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the way that it would the way that it would work in my mind is your network of recipients, let's call them beneficiaries who are getting mm-hmm. paid by you, would create and have or host a BlockFi wallet. That wallet would be denominated in a currency, uh, a stablecoin currency of their choice, Euro, mm-hmm. you know, what, whatever it is. Uh, and then we would effectively build a form of a, like a debit card or something along those lines on top of that particular balance. Right, because then they don't need to worry about remove a. You can pay them instantly, right? Mm-hmm. And then b. They don't need to worry about removing the stablecoin off blockchain rail back into the traditional, you know, ACH rail back into their bank, which requires a tremendous amount of fees and all sorts of crap that mm-hmm. like we'll deal with on a daily basis, right? So I think generally speaking, the more like the industry moves towards living and transacting and operating on these blockchain rails, the lesser fees there are going to be and the less dependent people are going to be on banks. That's mm-hmm. how I think it's going to play out in all honesty. Okay. So yeah. So then stable coins is kind of like a solution to like, Hey, let's, let's do all of our, you know, let's do all of our traditional fiat dealings on a blockchain. On a blockchain. Exactly. Exactly. And that makes that simpler. Now, is that also a good, do you think that's a good um, kind of like gateway drug for people to get into? Look, look I, I think, I think it comes with risks, obviously. Right. Uh, one of the biggest risks is that like fiat is backed by a government and it is FDIC insured in a bank account. Mm-hmm. Right. So theoretically the U S dollar, right. Like your U S dollars in your account like cannot go anywhere right because they are completely risk-free and they're backed by the government and they're insured they're that like level of comfort needs to start like there needs to be some innovation in our space to get people to that level of comfort Mm -hmm. and then i think you're going to start to see like a tremendous amount of adoption from a stablecoin perspective okay so once people start feeling and i mean really that level of comfort they just need to know the solvency of, I mean, they just need to know, they need to know, like they got to get comfortable with custody, right. Where the, where their dollars are sitting, they got to get comfortable like that with the, with the, with the entity that's issuing the stable coin. And if those things like, like you're comfortable with Goldman's, you know, with uh, chase, right. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to be the same type of education and trust game, which for us is like a huge piece of the entire equation, right. It's like, we want to create a very trustworthy, safe, experience for all of our customers Mm -hmm. uh, because this is not the easiest thing to wrap your head around 
right? No, yeah. Like <laughs> somebody who's never done this before and you're like stable coin and like interest 8.6%, that's like 10 times the national average. Like that doesn't make any sense. Well, it's okay, right? That it doesn't make any sense. It's new technology. It's something that's like being adopted as we speak. It will be part of everyone's life in the next five years. I 100% will, I'll, I'll own that statement, right? As, mm-hmm. as fact. And it's our job and others in the space to educate, to help inform, to help make sure people understand what they should look out for, the risks, the benefits, but then to really like help shepherd that, you know, movement or adoption, right? Away from the traditional standard way of doing things and to a newer way of doing things that adds more value, better speed, better efficiency, better security, better safety, right? All these things that like our, our whole world, right? And all, all the blockchain and crypto industry are, are pushing all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like um, it sounds like I'm definitely I got to explore more for for personal, you know, for business, my, my companies. But um, but, you know, it, I think it's something that I agree with you. I think in about five years, we'll probably be um, moving towards I think a lot of the banks are going to be doing trying to catch up to you guys um, in. Yeah, I think there'll be a convergence, right? Like I think we're we're gonna we're gonna build things that look a lot like banking type offerings or personal finance offerings. Banks are gonna start to build things that have more of a you know call it like cryptographic or blockchain nature right mm-hmm. across their technologies uh, or their technology stacks. And I think there will be like an element of you know synergy at some point. I don't know how it's gonna work or what it's what it's gonna look like, but. Um, you know, Morgan Stanley just came out with a article and in, in a, in a, a press release saying that they're going to offer their private high net worth clients access to investment vehicle that tracks the price of Bitcoin. So whether it's like Grayscale or Galaxy or any of the other ones out there, like that's a big step in the direction of, mm-hmm. you know, banks accepting that products in the space are real they're here to stay their risk is within line with the bank's protocol etc now that's very different though from a bank creating a tech uh, you know using technology right crypto technology to actually power their business model that is Mm -hmm. like two completely separate things but at least we're starting to see like some folks come around and i think it's good it's good for the space regardless right because it just continues that education that adoption that you know, bringing someone who's crypto curious into the crypto, you know, dabble into like being coming someone who's crypto native. Um, yeah, the it, them with the way that they're like dipping their toes in is just so funny to me um, because it's kind of like it's like they see everybody having fun out yeah. on like this island and they're yeah. standing on the beach yeah. and they're like, that looks so cool. Um, I bet you our party would really like it. So let's stand like ankle deep in the surf. And, and then we're all saying like, come on, come on. They're like, no, we're good here. We're good yeah. here. You know, yeah. kind of like that Steve Buscemi gif of yeah. the, you know, what's up my fellow kids, you know, where yeah, he's like up the skateboard. That's such a good analogy. And then, and then the other thing I would add is like, they're secretly while they're standing in the water commissioning a like boring tunneling company to try to tunnel underneath the island and just pop up <laughs> in the center and then have their own little event like you know right in the middle of yeah everything. yeah oh like, hey we're, 
but it's we've just, been here this whole can't time. Find the island. They just keep going different directions. <laughs> uh, they'll get there eventually, I guess. Um, yeah, we'll see. So, um, so since I'm in the middle of like you know uh, mortgages, all that kind of fun stuff, is BlockFi something that can help people in that realm? Like, is it something that if you're looking to, you know, purchase home or, you know, build an addition, something like that, and you own cryptocurrency, um, you know, is, is BlockFi something, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you guys don't have 30 year fixed mortgages, but, um, you yeah. know, if you, <laughs> if you take a loan, um, you know, what's the repayment terms, how long is that, you know, usually uh, span the 9%? Yeah. So uh, it's a great question. We, we actually have a blog post about loan use, uh, which I can share with you after this, if you want to like blast it out or, or share it with anybody. Yeah. But um, I can put it in the show notes, yeah. Yeah, there are like all different types of purposes uh, or like reasons people take out loans. Um, just to give you an idea of what our structure looks like today, it is uh, 50 or 35% collateralized, right? Meaning that mm-hmm. the, that's how much you're going to receive or that's how much you have to post to receive that amount. Um, at the 50% LTV level, it's a 9% interest rate at the 35% LTV level. I believe it's a 7.9% interest rate. I got to double check that. Uh, and it is an interest only loan for 12 months. Okay. So you're only paying interest for 11 months. And then on the 12th month, you have to pay all the principal back. Um, but you can refi depending on where your balance is. If you want to continue to push that balance out and pay another 12 months of interest only. So I personally wouldn't think about this like a mortgage where like you are paying something that's high price down over a very long period of time. And you're creating more of like a fixed payment schedule for yourself based on your income. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would think of this more as like, um, you know, well, I guess everyone can use it differently, but you know, the way I, I like to think about using it is like, I have a, you know, set of dollars coming in in the future. I want to make a purchase now. This is a really low cost way of me making this purchase now. And then I'll be able to pay that off, you know, in the future with that set of dollars that's coming in. Um, I've seen people use it to consolidate credit card debt, mm-hmm. right? Multiple different credit card lines, 20, 30% interest, they just pay all their loans down and they just pay us. And then they, you know, they, they refire, they pay the loan down at the end of the term. Um, I've seen people use it to reinvest in crypto. I wouldn't like suggest that to anyone who's new mm-hmm. to the space that requires an extensive knowledge of how this industry works and the risks associated with price swings and, and yield and things of that nature. Um, I've seen people use it for like a down payment on an apartment right? Like mm-hmm. you, know, you got to put that initial security deposit down or whatever it is. Uh, I've seen people use it for like car uh, loan deposits. So putting like three grand or 2,500 bucks down for, mm-hmm. for your, your vehicle or whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, there's, I'll send you the link. There's a lot, bunch of other use cases, but definitely like a, th- there's definitely the ability to, uh, you know, access liquidity without having to sell right? Uh, also taxes too, uh, I think is one like paying other taxes using the, the, the liquidity from your, you know, secured crypto collateral. Um, but there's all different use cases. And we have issued thousands and thousands, like hundreds and hundreds of, I think it's billions of dollars of loans at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
to retail folks who are, you know, using it for some specific purpose. So then you're not, it's another way to protect against like, say, if you need, if you need to use some of your, you know, Bitcoin, um, you know, because not everything's on the Bitcoin standard. So you have to use some cash uh, instead of taking it out and getting capital gains tax. Yeah. Yeah. So like for me, right. Like a great example is like, um, you know, I just, I just bought a new like Volkswagen all track. It's like a, mm -hmm. you know, a sedan or whatever car I got it. I got it when I moved to uh, South Carolina, which I live here now. I put down 2,500 bucks, right. For that car. Mm -hmm. So I said to myself, you know what, rather than like selling some Bitcoin, having to pay a cap gains tax on whatever my basis is, which is pretty high. Cause I bought some of this Bitcoin when the Bitcoin was a lot, lot like a lot cheaper in August mm -hmm. of last year. I'm just going to post $5,000 of my Bitcoin as collateral. And within one hour, I got the 2,500 bucks, right. Minus the mm -hmm. origination fee, right. Into my check, into my checking account. I used that money to then put down on the car. I got a loan out on the car, you know, I'm paying my, paying my loan down. And then I know that in six months, I'm going to get, you know, a $2,500 check of income from work or whatever it is, life, mm -hmm. like however you, you know, are making your income and I'll pay that loan down and I'll end up being able to, rather than having to sell my Bitcoin today, cause I needed the car, be able to take out a loan denominated in USD. I'll pay six months of interest or 12 months of interest, depending. And then I'll pay it down at the end of uh, the, the term and my Bitcoin does not change, right? I don't, mm -hmm. no cap gains, no selling, nothing. Hopefully the Bitcoin is just appreciating over this yeah. year, which I think it's gonna, right? So at the end of the day, like I've actually had a, made, a, made a better trade out of it than uh, if I were to sell. So that's just like a very simple use case, but like that's how I would think about it. So yeah, so you're, instead of paying, you're saving 11% basically right off the bat if you're paying 20% in capital gains, Exactly. Um, paying 7% annual, right? Versus paying short-term cap gains, which could be anywhere in like the, yeah, like the twenties. Um, oh, that, that just opened my eyes. Cause <laughs> that's something where I'm like, oh, like, I don't want to pay any capital gains. I'm looking for ways to, yeah. you know, well, leverage. Like, also too, like for a lot of us or for some, like some people that invested in Bitcoin last year, like there is a serious cost basis now, right? Because it's gone up so much. Yeah. So, you know, being able to access liquidity in an effective way is like, is really important if you're, you know, trying to, uh, you know, optimize for, you know, low cost investments or house or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, yeah, just make some... sure, just, I just, you know, for everyone listening, like it is interest only, meaning you have to pay that amount at the end, right? Mm -hmm. Of the term. So just as, as long as you can manage that cash flow on your side, then, you know, it's a great option. Yeah. Yeah. If you can, so you're paying the, the 9% interest over the 12 months and then everything comes due at the end. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then on the, so on the interest earning side, um, I have to park my Bitcoin with you guys. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the way that it works is, you give us, you, you open an account, right? Username, mm -hmm. password, 2FA authentication, face ID, all the security metrics, right? To protect yourself and your account. You deposit or transfer funds, Bitcoin onto the platform. So you can do this two ways. One, you could transfer Bitcoin from another wallet. We have like thousands of people who have moved off of Coinbase and Gemini into BlockFi 
because they can just transfer their Bitcoin right into BlockFi and immediately earn interest. So that's one. And that's mm -hmm. easy, right? You just get your wallet address out of BlockFi for Bitcoin. You go to your Coinbase or Gemini account. You type the address in. You send it over. It lands within an hour. Mm -hmm. Earning interest, you're done. That's one way. The other way is you can actually just ACH or wire funds onto our platform. Okay. So you can literally connect your bank account via Plaid, right? You select your, your bank. Uh, you select how much money you want to deposit onto the platform. You select the stable coin that you want to convert it to, right? Mm -hmm. That's how our on-ramp works. And then you press OK. And in three days, let's say it's 10 grand, you have $10,000 of stable coin in your BlockFi account. You get an email saying your balance has changed. You log in, you click our trade button, you buy $10,000 worth of Bitcoin. Right now, you've got your Bitcoin sitting there, zero fee trading, and your Bitcoin's earning 6%. Now, nice. Whichever way you come onto our platform from an on-ramp perspective, that Bitcoin is actually sitting in a Gemini custodial account. Okay. Um, and you have access to it whenever you need it. So you can, you can pull it off the platform whenever. There's no like lockups or anything like that, which is really mm -hmm. important to understand. Um, some platforms will be like, yeah, you can't move this off here, you know, X amount of days. But once your Bitcoin settles on our platform, you can move it as mm -hmm. you please. Um, what effectively is happening is you're like, we have these, this massive, massive book of Bitcoin just sitting in, in, in accounts, right? And what we do to generate yield for you is we go out, we say, all right, like Corey's got, well, it's not this specific, but we've got all these people who are earning 6% give, or, or lending us, right? Giving us their Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. We're giving them 6% for it. We then go out to institutional investors, Right. So think of like the biggest names that you've seen in the news who are buying Bitcoin right now, mm -hmm. like, you know, uh, Susquehanna and Akuna and all these like massive players. They're all like tier one, a super, you know, uh, legitimate uh, mm -hmm. investment firms. And they right to participate in the market, want to borrow Bitcoin from companies like BlockFi and there aren't that many players out there, right? Banks, not definitely not, that actually have a balance of Bitcoin like we do because of all the retail deposits, right? Mm -hmm. So we have a really great and compelling offer for these institutions where we say, oh, you need $50 million worth of Bitcoin to borrow in, in the form of a loan. We'll give you that. And we're going to charge you 9% interest annualized. Mm -hmm. The same way we do it on the retail side, just this time it's a crypto denominated loan and we're, you know, making probably a little bit more than we would on the retail side, 10, 10, 12 ish percent on the APR. So now like that income stream, right. Is going to pay down or pay us right for whatever revenue we want to take out of that and then pay, you know, our retail deposit holders. Mm -hmm. Right. And we have hundreds of those institutional relationships right? For all of our different assets, not just Bitcoin, but Ethereum and Litecoin and Link and Stablecoin. And the use case, right? The purpose of an institution borrowing crypto is a lot different than the use case of an individual or household, mm -hmm. right? They're, they're two kind of separate, uh, separate buckets of use case. And like the best way I like to describe our institutional business is like a prime broker, I don't know if you're mm -hmm. familiar with the prime broker world. Not really, but go ahead. <laughs> Basically like 
uh, a one-stop shop for a hedge fund to custody assets, get financing on assets, trade assets, and execute, right? And settle assets, mm-hmm. right? That, that is what a prime broker is for. We've created ourselves, become one of the biggest, most effective prime broker-like companies in the world. And now we're able to have this healthy balance of supply and demand, right? Where mm-hmm. new assets come on the platform, we lend them out, the yields get paid down, we pay the yield out to, to you, right? To the retail mm-hmm. customer. Um, and then we, we sit in the middle. If anything goes wrong, which it hasn't, mm-hmm. us BlockFi is going to get hit with losses before anyone gets hit with losses. Mm-hmm. Um, our shareholders and our employee equity uh, and, our, and our equity on our balance sheet, which we just raised $350 million in our Series D like a week ago. So we have like lots of money right mm-hmm. now. So we are incredibly well cushioned and well built with right the added risk management pro- program that I talked about earlier, right? The automated margin call and the 24-7 liquidation mm-hmm. on the institutional, institutional side as well. So mm-hmm. we've built this like very, very robust insular, well-cushioned product that allows folks like yourself to lend to us, earn yield, stay comfortable, stay safe, right? Mm -hmm. Hit checking every box. uh, And then hopefully growing with us over time as like your balance grows over time and we we come out with new products. So um, what's the point of the institutions borrowing instead of purchasing? couple things. I mean, it really depends, right? So like institutions purchase for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. they, we have an, we have what's called an over the counter desk on the, on our, on the, you know, institutional side of the house, which is literally like a trading desk for big, you know, corporates or funds or whatever to come in and buy. Um, some firms are borrowing Bitcoin and other like assets to make markets. So this is a pretty interesting concept. Uh, effectively, like in the Bitcoin or just in the cryptocurrency world, there are there is no central depository clearinghouse, right? Mm-hmm. Like Gemini and Coinbase and Kraken, none of these guys talk to each other mm-hmm. in terms of like what's being traded, settled, pricing, whatever, right? So there are really large funds that uh, borrow crypto, Bitcoin, for example, and go out to these larger exchanges they have accounts at each one and they basically all day are just arbitraging these exchanges and setting the market rates right and they're, okay. they're making money on spread so they'll buy bitcoin at 40 on coinbase they'll sell it at you know 41 on kraken i mean at the same time because that's what the, the first price dislocation okay um to do that though right to actually do that mar- make markets like that uh, you have to have crypto physically in a wallet on that exchange, right? Like mm-hmm. you can't just like do this on margin or borrow and be like, I'll pay you later. Like I'm gonna do this trade yeah. right now, but I'll yeah. pay you later, right? Like it, in the crypto space, it doesn't work like that. Like nope. in the equity space, you could do that. Like you could borrow like Tesla stock and just do that and make a market with Tesla stock. If you really, you know, if you had a good relationship and you were, you were well, uh, well-defined or high credit worthy uh, institution. <clears throat> in our world, you can't do that. So, which is great. And Bitcoin settles within an hour, right? Yep. At, those, at those size or whatever the you know, rates are now. So if you want to make markets, if you want to be a participant there, 
you have to have the actual physical Bitcoin in a wallet at those exchanges, mm -hmm. right? And so it creates a working capital demand, right? If you want to work that capital and make and trade and make your arbitrage and your spread, you actually have to have the physical Bitcoin. Well, do you want to go buy it or do you want to go borrow it, right? Pay 11% and then, you know, your, your annualized yield on your trading spreads are, are 70. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're theoretically putting up zero cash, zero equity or small portion of equity or whatever it may be. Our, you know, depending on our margin requirements, depending on who you are, which I can talk mm -hmm. about in a bit. Uh, and you're, you know, using that, that crypto to, to earn. Um, that's one example. There are a few others that are a little bit more uh, complex, but that is one way or, uh, certain institutions use uh, Bitcoin uh, okay. or Ethereum or Litecoin, et cetera. Ho hopefully okay. that makes sense. Yeah, no, no, that makes sense. That's a, because to me, you know, whenever I'm sitting there, like, I, I'm like, well, I wouldn't borrow it. I'd buy it. But yeah, if you're, if you're looking to just make markets and just make and, money. Yeah. Or yeah, like have like capture a, the know, spread. Arbitrage. Yeah. If you're looking for arbitrage positions also, like, I think there's like an, you know, element of being able to hedge like future downside by borrowing right from BlockFi. Um, there's all these different strategies that these, these companies mm -hmm. do. Um, the one other is there are public market trusts like Grayscale, 3IQ, Osprey. We don't work with all of them, <clears throat> but we do work with some and we work with investors that want to access or subscribe to shares of those public trusts, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. uh, the way that it works is that if you, investor A, want to subscribe to uh, Grayscale shares, right, you have to put one Bitcoin or however many Bitcoin you want into the trust. The Bitcoins come off the market into the trust. They're locked up for six to 12 months. And then you are issued shares, a certain amount of shares based on the amount of Bitcoin you put in. Mm -hmm. Those shares, right, are redeemed. You can redeem them at what's called NAV, net asset value. NAV, let's say, let's say net asset value is $50. So you can redeem that $50 in six months. So in six months, you get all these shares at $50. Well, historically, Grayscale has been trading at a premium. Mm -hmm. Meaning as soon as you redeem those shares at 50, the premium might be, it might be, they might be trading at $60 in the market. So you just made $10, you know, $10 per share on that trade over six months without doing anything, without having to do anything mm, other than mm -hmm. putting Bitcoin into a trust. So other folks will borrow from us to do a similar type of transaction. Do that. Yes. But they do need to like, again, like over collateralize in some capacity to us so that in the event that Bitcoin goes down or Grayscale goes down again, we have a cushion of collateral just like we do on the retail side, right? Mm -hmm. Just like you or me have to give 50% LTV, that funder institution that's borrowing Bitcoin for a grayscale trade has to give us collateral, cash, mm -hmm. cash equivalent, whatever it may be, so that in the event that something does happen, we have the ability to make whole and be, and be, and be okay, which, which we are right on everything that's happening right now. Mm -hmm. um, and okay, so basically, there would have to be a catastrophic like 50% drop for anyone's loans to be called or, you know. Yeah, like for anyone's loans to be called, correct. No one's going to lose money. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. Yeah, you're not, no yeah, if you're like, investing, yeah, you're no, not losing money. 
Exactly. Like there, there will never be, a, there, there should never be a scenario where, you know, uh, retail is like not able to a get their money out or b earn yield. Right. The only thing that will happen is over time, more entrants will come. Markets will be uh, a little bit more mature. There'll be more liquidity and the rates that we're paying you that 6% Bitcoin rate mm -hmm. might come down to five or might come down to 4.5 or whatever mm -hmm. it is, right? Now it's not gonna happen abruptly. It's not gonna be a step shelf function, uh, but it will happen over time because that's how markets operate, right? Okay, yeah, there's yeah. Yield, where there's yield in nascent industries, people come to those industries and then the yields go down. Uh, mm -hmm. That's just- in The nature know, of the beast. Market 101, markets 101, yeah. Um, okay, so in, uh, let me run through an example and just for simple math, let's just say, let's say I put a hundred thousand dollars in Bitcoin with you guys to earn interest. Um, you know, in today's price, it, it's you know hovering between fifty-five and sixty. So let's just say, for simple math, it's sixty. But in it over the year, it appreciates to one hundred and twenty mm -hmm. per Bitcoin. So you know, then my the value that I loaned you. Initially, I was going to earn, you know, 6% interest. I'm going to get $6,000. Um, does that, the, the interest, I assume, does it escalate with the price of Bitcoin? So, you know, if it spends half the year at 200000 you know, my the, the amount I loaned you is now worth 200000 I'm earning 6% on two hundred k. Is that yeah. the case or is it just 6% on the original amount? Yeah, it's basically like we calculate it at the end of the month. Right. So like your interest is going to accrue daily, no matter what the price of Bitcoin is, if it's going up or down the end of the month, we're going to cut the calculation off. We're going to total up the daily accruals and then we're just going to drop that into your account in Bitcoin. In, um, if, so it'll be yeah. in Bitcoin and if it can want. either you can get it in cat, you get it in stable coin, you can get it in other currencies. Uh, but most people are getting paid in Bitcoin, Bitcoin interest, because then, you know, you have additional appreciation, right? Yeah. So you can get it just put in right in and add it and start earning interest on your interest. You can. So, yeah, it, it effectively, what will happen is your interest will accrue over the month. Mm -hmm. End of the month, we'll calculate, we'll deposit that amount in Bitcoin into your wallet, your BlockFi interest account wallet. That will then be part of right the the total balance, and then you'll earn interest on that. So mm -hmm. it's not like six percent compounded month over month. It ends up being the math ends up being six percent annualized. Mm -hmm. That's that's how the math works. Okay. So like okay. with that monthly compounding and everything coming back in, it ends up being six percent annualized. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. Yep. Um, so who's the who are the you know the biggest publicly you know, like acknowledged uh, BlockFi interest holders, because I know there's people out there bragging about it. So uh, <laughs> it, who can you publicly yeah. say since they talk about it on their Twitter? Well, I think Jason Williams is probably, he's the interest champ. We've, uh, we've, we've given him that title. We actually sent him a, a heavyweight belt called the interest, <laughs> interest champ on it. He has made $1 million in interest. That's awesome. On our platform. 
Um, but I think the, let me pull this up real quick so I can give you an idea of uh, where we, where we paid out in uh, February. So every month we will uh, effectively publish on our Twitter, the amount of digital assets and the dollar amount that we have paid out in crypto mm-hmm. to our users. Cause I think it's, it's really fascinating when you like hear some of the, these numbers. So we paid in February, right? We paid $35 million in interest paid to all of our members, all of our retail customers, which today we have about 275,000. This is 450 Bitcoin, 5,000 Ethereum and $6 million in stable coin. So, wow. you know, we're, we're getting up there. Uh, we're, we're like, just to give you an idea of our, our business model too, and our size, like we're 550 employees. We just oh, wow. closed a series D round uh, that was led by Bain Capital, mm-hmm. uh, DST and Tiger Global. So like all really reputable names. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have about, yeah, 275,000 clients, but the average balance is about 25, 30K. <clears throat> so our AUM is like, you know, it's up to like 15, 16 billion. Um, oh, wow. And we do, <clears throat> excuse me, about 40 million in revenue on a monthly basis. So the business is like thriving. Like we are, mm-hmm. we're, we are, we are mature. We are time tested. We are safe, secure. Like we are the, the place that uh, people are coming to, to yeah. earn yields, right? On their crypto. Um and then we want to continue to be, right, like the place that can bridge the educational gap between traditional financial services and the crypto space, right? Hence why I like to define us as a personal finance platform powered by crypto, right? Which is a lot different than, you know, a wealth management platform for a crypto investor, mm-hmm. right? Because I don't necessarily think that we are only meant to be for crypto investors only, right? Like we have plenty of people people on the platform who just put stablecoin in USD for stablecoin and earn interest. That's it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, some people, what they'll also do is they'll deposit stablecoin, and we have something called interest flex. So they'll deposit stablecoin, they'll earn 8.6% interest in Bitcoin. So mm-hmm. their, their literal dollars, USD stablecoins are earning them Bitcoin, which is yeah. a pretty compelling, compelling concept. Um, and then lastly, on like this, this journey to helping create a very effective bridge of education is we are in June coming out with a Bitcoin rewards credit card. Nice. How do I get yeah. to the front of the line for that? <laughs> yeah, the, the, there's a wait list. Uh, if you refer people, you can, you can move up. But the, uh, the card is look a visa back card. It's no different from any other card in your wallet. Mm-hmm. Right. You apply online, you get a credit limit, you have a dashboard, you see all your charges, you have to pay it off monthly, but you do earn 1.5% back in Bitcoin on all purchases. And that Bitcoin goes right in that BlockFi interest account that I was talking about or that we were talking mm-hmm. about. Um, and then we also have a slew of other benefits up to a thousand dollars in benefits uh, if you're a BlockFi customer. Right. So mm-hmm. uh, it's all on our website uh, and I can share it with you too. So you can share it in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely, it's, uh, you know, I'm doing this for the podcast, but I'm also sitting there going like, okay, well, you know, 
thinking of like, you know, our, our business chase credit cards and, and the amount of interest we earn on that. And it comes back in this pointless USD, um, this worthless fiat money. Um, yeah, that's something that, uh, I'm definitely going to be checking out. And, um, and then, so when you, if I loan Bitcoin to you guys during interest, I can pull it at any time, right? Like it's not locked yeah. up for an extended period of time. No, 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 no. It's, uh, you pull it whenever you want. Yeah. We, we do have withdrawal fees. They're, they're small. And mm-hmm. your first withdrawal you get for free. Um, but yeah, from like a timing perspective, you could deposit and pull out, you know, tomorrow. It's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. We, we're totally fine with that. And um, as far as getting, you know, people over the fear, you know, do you think the, a lot of the hesitation to get into this space and, and custody, you know, a lot of, I mean, everybody talks about, you know, put, put your Bitcoin on a cold wallet, you know, and then lock it up in a safe and, you know, bury that safe in your backyard or something like that, you know? Um, yeah. But, uh, and I totally get, you know, custody, you know, being in custody of your own. And a lot of people reference Mt. Gox. Is that something that you think you guys are like the industry in general is still kind of fighting? Um, I think we're past that. Um, I think, look, I think tech, the security, the technology that's, you know, in, in the security and the just general like infrastructure that exists now, uh, very hard for those things to happen. Um, that being said though, like, as like a Bitcoin investor and a lot of people in our world think about this as like Bitcoin as an asset, like, you know, diversification is important, right? And maybe you don't want 100% of your Bitcoin allocation to be in one platform, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I have friends who have, you know, 50% of their Bitcoin are on BlockFi and 50% are in Ledger, just like in, in their couch, you know, mm-hmm. basically. Um and part of this, I think, is like test the waters with us, get comfortable with us as a business, read our blog, read our resources, understand who we are, understand the risk, watch the videos, listen to the podcast, like get smart about who we are. I mean, I could obviously talk about it all day and so can you know, the rest of my team, but it's also up to like our clients to help get smart on who we are and get comfortable to then allocate a little bit more and a little bit more so that, you know, they're making more interest. You know, we want to get to the point where we get, you know, as I said earlier, as trustworthy as a bank, right? Where any one of us, where anyone listening to this podcast is going to go and put their direct deposit into a bank because they have zero worry in the world that money will go anywhere, mm-hmm. right? Like where, how do we get to the point where, you know, we are the personal finance platform that people feel the same way. And I, and we're honestly trending in that direction based on our growth numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's, it's helpful that like crypto and Bitcoin innovation is really paving a, a incredible wildfire across the financial services landscape right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all about education, right? It's all about just like un- getting, un- getting educated, understanding it, get comfortable. I, I see how this works. I've seen the historicals. It makes sense to me. Um, and then, you know, the value comes with it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think one of the things people need to, to learn and hopefully they are learning is that you don't have to be, you know, Jason Williams and, and earning a million dollars in interest, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. if you, if you're, you know, if you're holding on to, you know, a thousand dollars in Bitcoin um, and you're not planning on moving it, you might as well have it somewhere where it's going to earn 6% interest. Year over year. You know? 
Yeah, compounds, right? And then you're earning 6% the next year on that interest that you, you know, interest principal that you earned for the year before. Um, no, I, I totally agree. Uh, we actually have a cool calculator on our website. That's like an interest, it's an interest calculator. You mm-hmm. can literally like put in your starting balance, the amount of duration you want, the, the currency, and then we'll like output what your interest would look like over that period of time. And, you know, it's, look, it's compelling. I mean, when your bank account is only giving you 80 basis points, right? Mm-hmm. Which to put that in context, you know, 1% of a thousand is what? 10 bucks. So yeah. 80 basis points is eight bucks. So you're making $8, right? On your, uh, on your thousand dollar investment or $86, $90 on your thousand dollar investment. So it's a huge difference. Yeah. For a lot of people, like that's a, it's a big difference for me. It's a big difference. Right. So, and you're keeping um, it in an asset that, you know, and like putting it in the bank, you're keeping it in an asset that we that all think is going to go up only. Yeah. That, that might actually devalue over time because there's going to be more money being printed in the U S right. And yep. that is where like, it gets a little scary where it's like, yeah, maybe you do want to have a little exposure to something that's a hedge against this this potential inflation or hyperinflation that we could potentially see in the coming years. Yeah, yeah, the hyperinflation. I'm curious your thoughts on that because, uh, you know, I mean, nobody really knows where it's going. Um, but, uh, but uh, man, I just I heard um, on Guy Swan's uh, podcast, he was just telling a, a quick story about a guy that was in the Weimar Republic. Um, and he had $150,000 in us terms. It was basically $150,000 worth of money his life savings. Um, it was locked in his bank account for six months during the hyperinflation. And they sent him his $150,000 after the hyperinflation and the stamp on the envelope was more expensive than his, the the, the money that they sent him. Oh my God. So it's like, you know, when people don't think that that's like possible, you know, it's like, yeah, I do forget people forget history repeats itself. Like people forget that. And and I know like, uh, what's his name? Um, Michael Burry, right. The the short author or the guy. I was was actually going to ask you about him. Yeah. Yeah. Like he, you know, he, he, he shorted the entire mortgage market made $800 million, whatever. Uh, he did a like pretty extensive post on hyperinflation on Twitter recently. He deletes all of his posts, but uh, somebody on Twitter, which is, this is why I love Twitter, like literally screenshots them all and calls them the Michael Burry archives, which uh-huh. is awesome. Uh, he did this entire thing on uh, hyperinflation and he walked through, I don't, I didn't go through it in extent, like too extensively, but he did go through like some of the things that we've seen historically and yeah, like people wheelbarrowing, you know, pounds and pounds of money, you know, to buy very like simple things like bread and sugar and, and things of that nature. Um, you know, look, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. There are people in the world that think, you know, um, MMT, uh, you know, the treasury theory where you can just you know, the Fed is not, governments are not, should not be treated like households, uh, you know, is a, is a positive thing. Uh, the more money out there, 
breeds more productivity, more economic activity, et cetera. I don't know where we're going to shake out. I've never lived through one of these, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've never lived through a, a, a cycle where we've printed more money in a two-year period than we have in 20-year period, right? Like, I don't yeah. know. Um, so yeah, like look to the twenties and like, you know, that those time periods where th- that we were in a similar position and see what happened. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I know. I hate to like, you know, like I, anybody, my personal life, I'm like telling them about it. I'm like, look, I don't know exactly what's going to happen, yeah. but let's just say that 40% of the dollars in circulation didn't exist prior to last April. So yeah. I think that's a little bit of a problem. Like, I think you should be careful at the moment. Um, what, what do you think about, one thing I wanted to ask you is, it kind of blows my mind that Michael Burry does not get Bitcoin. I haven't gotten too deep into, like, his arguments for, or, or his arguments against Bitcoin. Um, I know he, th- he thinks it's over leveraged. It's definitely, yeah, I definitely understand. I definitely kind of see that point. Look, I think like just generally speaking, a lot of the old guard uh, has just taken a lot of time to come around. Mm-hmm. You've seen it like Ray Dalio, uh, Jamie Dimon, Goldman Sachs, like all these guys were like Bitcoin, uh-uh, like not interested. It's, you know, meant for criminals. It's, you know... <laughs> Uh, taking up too much energy, like all these like stupid arguments that are, you know, are fun. There's no valuation. You can't, you can't value it, like, et cetera. And I think they've been relatively stooped uh, mm-hmm. over time and, and literally just look at a 12 month Bitcoin price chart and it gives you, you know, your entire kind of message. Like, I don't know if there's going to be a point where we correct down to, you know, some low 2010 handle. And the mm-hmm. reason I don't believe is that is because I think Tesla, Mass Mutual, like every fund out there is just going to gobble all that up as soon as it gets to an area that they get comfortable in. Yep. So like, how can you, how can you have a massive decrease without massive sellers? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of these, like a lot of these players that have really deep pockets, real money that are super long Bitcoin are not sellers. They're long. So they're mm-hmm. gonna they're gonna buy continue to buy so i don't know i think it's uh i think it's we're in a diff- very different world it's a very unique world um and it's not so much an indictment on him not understanding it's just like you said you got to bridge the gap of like knowledge he might understand it fundamentally and again i'm just totally like assuming i don't know any yeah, yeah. facts or anything at all um he, you know, might fundamentally, fundamentally understand it, understand the technology, but just, I don't know, not, not want to admit that he didn't make the right decision. I don't know. Hmm. Everybody's got an ego. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I don't yeah, know. Everybody, nobody, people don't want to admit, you know, that I get it. Um, oh man. I, yeah. I hope that he can come on board because once, I, you know, I mean, I think we're, we don't need more people to come on board, but you know, like you were saying with, with, um, you know, Tesla buying and everything like that. It's like, you know, if, if Bitcoin goes back down to the price that Tesla bought it at, what do you think Tesla's going to do? Are they going to try to lose money or are they going to dump more money in and protect their, their long-term investment? Um, I, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't, yeah, I'm not their treasurer, but like, you know, you would think that there are like these, 
you know, these limit orders, uh, buy orders, like that all these companies have, mm-hmm. you know, as soon hey, as it hits a price, when it hits 30 K press the button, like yep. we're buying, like we're getting right back in. And they're uh, certainly, I don't think having sell orders <laughs> put in place. I don't, yeah. I mean, doubtful, right. Yeah. Because unless they're trying to like reap some profits or whatever it may be, but like Michael Saylor's not doing that anytime soon. No. Um, and, uh, and lastly, um, you know, what, what would you say to people that, you know, a lot of people are getting in and they're like, man, it's too, it's too late. I'm too late to the party. You know, what's my hundred dollars? What's my thousand dollars that I'm going to invest in Bitcoin when it's, you know, 60,000. Um, what would you say to people that think that it's too late? I would just be, look, we're in the, we're the, the big early stages, early innings of the party. Uh, Yes, the price of Bitcoin right now is expensive for a very large majority of the population to buy one. But that being said, I always say, like, I personally am more confident in, you know, the price of Bitcoin rising, you know, 30, 40, 50 percent over the next six months than I am in any tech stock or any biotech or anything mm-hmm. that, I've, that I've seen. Right. Like there's a confidence factor there. So I think a lot of people need to remove this like concept of like, you're going to make like five times your money or 10 times your money. Mm-hmm. And just think about it in, in a relationship to other assets that they could potentially invest in. You can mm-hmm. invest in the stock market. You can invest in gold. You can invest in real estate. None of them are going to be able to perform out, outperform Bitcoin. I don't think this year. And therefore like, your investment is going to, that's the, that's the best possible investment that you can take or approach that you can take. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's it's better the, than that's sitting gonna, on fiat dollars. Look, it's like, look, your your the relative, your relative performance over time will be better based on historicals. Right. If you invest mm-hmm. in Bitcoin, no matter how much you invest relatives against other markets. So the S and P like, you know, real general real estate, gold, you know, other, other alternatives. Mm -hmm. So if you're comfortable with like an investment process where you're going to be putting your dollars to work and you want to earn in an, in an Avenue that's going to outperform other areas, Bitcoin is a fantastic place to be. Mm -hmm. Um, But Bitcoin isn't probably not going to allow you to triple or quadruple your money anymore. But like, Let's be serious. Like there isn't a whole lot of places that you're going to be able to three, four extra money in six months. Yeah. Right? It is what it is. Yeah. And then who knows, maybe if we get, you get lucky and hit that hyper Bitcoinization, then everybody just, okay, I guess, I guess. That yeah, works. Then I, and then, and then all of a sudden you've got a hundred percent growth year over year. You've earned 6% on that hundred percent growth that happens three years in a row. You've got all like, it just starts to add up. Right. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a tremendous amount of value that you can you can bring out of it. Yeah. And then with BlockFi, you can start taking out, you can you can borrow against it. You can use it as a physical, like as a financial asset, right? For financial products. You can use our credit card and add to your stack. You can you know earn interest, add to your stack, the whole nine yards. Yeah, that's it. the taking out a loan against it, you know. I mean, I kind of got it, but but once you kind of explained like, oh yeah, like you're either going to pay 20% in capital gains or 9% interest to you guys. And that's like, well, and you also get the appreciation 
as it appreciates. Um, so yeah, I'm like, oh man, I'm not, I'm not using, I'm not selling anything. If, if I need cash, like if I need extra cash for something, then I'm, I'm, I'm I think I'm gonna have to look into this, uh, this block five thing, and, and uh, you might, you might have got a customer here. Um, so, uh, anyways, um, well, Shane, I really appreciate you coming on, you know, and and helping walk me th- through my, you know, my non-financial mind through this, this uh, BlockFi platform and, and, you know, help sh- shed light on, I think this is going to be, you know, big future and where the, where the industry is going and, and where people are going to start earning more money, you know, as, as uh, time goes on here. So thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on and helping me out there and helping the audience. Yes. Too. Yeah, All right. uh, of course. It's been great. And are you going to be down in Miami for the conference? I will, yeah, I will be in Miami uh, for BTC. Uh, I'll, I think I'm getting there on Thursday. So if any listeners are going to be down there, if you're going to be down there, Corey, let's definitely meet up in person. Cool. Awesome. All right. Thanks again, Shane. All right. Take care. Thanks again to Shane for coming on. I hope you guys learned something from that. I know I did. Um, and it's, you know, exciting to see that uh, the potential of, you know, earning uh, additional revenue and interest off of, uh, you know, the coin that you have and, and other ways to leverage your position. So uh, I was really glad to have him on um, and uh, really you know, be able to walk me through all of that. Um, so I forgot to have him mention, but uh, if you want to follow him on Twitter, it's at BlockFi Shane. Uh, it's BlockFi, it's F-I, and then Shane with a Y, S-H-A-Y-N-E. Um, and then you can also check out BlockFi um, at BlockFi.com or in the, the show notes, I'll have um, the blogs that he mentioned and stuff. So thanks again, everybody, for listening. If you want to get in contact with me, uh, you know, follow me on Twitter uh, at Bitcoin Simply. Um, also on YouTube, uh, we have the uh, videos going up on YouTube as well, uh, but we're on all the podcast channels. And uh, if you want to email me, just uh, the Bitcoin, it's Bitcoin Made Simple Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks, everybody. See ya.